0: I'm Rabbi Amy. I'm Pastor Ken.
1: I'm Imam Islam.
0: This is Kipa, Kufi, and Color.
1: This week, our guest is Lieutenant Governor of Vermont, David Zuckerman.
0: So we're living in such a a time of great division and polarization, and it's hard for people to talk to each other when they disagree. And so I think one of the greatest challenges we have is how we respond to each other in conversation when we feel that we're right and the person we're speaking with, we feel that they're wrong. How do we respond to that? What do you think?
1: When you feel that you're right and the person you're speaking to, is wrong. How would you respond to that?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, if you can convince him that he's wrong, uh that would be great. Uh, at some points, um you cannot convince anyone he's wrong just because he may see things from his uh from his point of view, from his from his angle kind of view. If you uh uh looking at um a, a 6 and a 9, you see a 6 yeah. on your side and the other party you see it 9 and he you know it's hard to convince him that uh, you see what you see, or he sees what he sees. But you should try. Uh, uh, if you should try your best to convince people, if you think you're confident that they are wrong uh, as much as you can, then this is helping them out. Do not leave them wrong. And if they're not convinced, if they are going to, conv- if they ever going to con- get convinced in the future, then I think they will remember that you that you have. Try to help him at one point yeah
0: mm. and, and and the question then comes up of how how there might be different circumstances or different gradations of right and wrong, and different the circumstances may govern whether or not there's an appropriate response
2: so for instance, I have a friend who uh, comes to Vermont once a year and we we have Ben and Jerry's, and her favorite flavor is vanilla. She goes to Ben and Jerry's for vanilla ice cream. What's wrong with her? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I'm getting at. There's so many things you could have, and she wants vanilla. And so, how do I convince her that she's wrong? And how much time do I spend trying?
1: If my first question: Why would you think she's wrong?
2: She's complete. It's just that's just self-evident.
1: Okay. Well, i i have I would. I wouldn't try to change that. I mean just she likes vanilla she likes vanilla. What if she does not like ice cream at all? then she's insane, right? I don't I don't know those people. <laughs> I don't I don't hang out with those people. So that's that's the point that we actually um that's the first uh uh hole that we uh, that we may fall into uh thinking that the others are wrong just because they are not uh coping with our preferences or when they're not following they don't have our um taste they don't see things through our through our lens. Uh, First and foremost, you need to make sure that um, uh, that you need to think between someone is wrong and someone is different.
0: That's a really good distinction. The difference between being wrong and being different. And so, that has to do with how we assess the situation and whether or not it's worth it to respond to it. If somebody's different enough to want vanilla ice cream, there's nowhere to go with that. That's just what they want. And uh, the the distinction that we might make regarding when someone's wrong is if there's harm involved.
2: So y'all okay. If I go on a little bit touchier subject. I'm okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So unlike, so, so uh, as a Christian in Vermont, you know, I, I guess a fair amount of suspicion, but that's, but, but not much, but y'all have experienced, your communities have experienced over the last year or so, um some hateful messages and and so those are people who are wrong but but it's not okay to let them be wrong but they've also got to find change in in the way that change is going to come to them i doubt we're going to force them to change how how do you deal with uh, receiving
1: messages of hate knowing that that's
2: wrong and and dealing with that other person or group,
1: that's something that I always want to talk about. I'm glad to get the chance to talk about it now. Um, it is true. I mean, when people attack the religion based on what they see or what they hear on some news networks that are actually governed and, and and advanced by some agendas. Uh, and when they say, when they claim things that your religion is doing and your religion is not doing that, when you when they uh, attribute things to the religion that is not of the religion, um, uh, it, it bothers me a lot. And as much as I can I try to uh, um, ward that off, um, to try to correct uh, or, or some misconceptions that they have, uh, but at the end of the day, I, we may not be successful. Um, and that actually one of the reasons why I um, remember I said in the last podcast that I, I gave up uh, answering comments or replying to comments on right. Facebook because right. a lot of hate mes- messages. Uh, I'm just going to give you an example. Um, um, when we were you know, um, boosting our posts on, on Facebook that we are buying a new a new mask. So when you boost the post, it actually reaches a lot of people. It reaches, right. go far and beyond, uh, as you can ever imagine. And uh, so a lot of people, for example, some people responded in a nice way. Some people said, no thanks, I'm not going to help. Which is fine, totally fine. Some people say, um, and uh, and some people say, and here's the here's the conversation that I got involved in this in this back and forth with these comments. I'm sorry, how far do you want me to go on this? Because i am going to open. No, that's up. good. That's <laughs> good. Enough. that's good. <clears throat> go for it. Uh, uh, so, um, um, so that happened shortly after, um, the um the El Paso shooting shooting, oh. and um um. I believe it was Toledo or not Toledo, the uh, Ohio shooting. They both happened within a 24-hour window. Uh, So the next morning, uh, well, um, I I just saw messages on our Facebook page. Um, Someone responded. He was very, uh, he he seemed to be um, 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 misled. And he said, why would I help someone? Uh, He wants to kill me. Um, Meaning that if he helped the mosque... That basically the mosque. That's what from his point of view. So I responded to him and I said to him, "I think you should turn on your TV, and you you will see who's trying to kill you." That's what I said to him. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Because there was just two shooting with twenty four hours, and none of them were Muslims. Right. Uh, So that's what I said, and then he, um, someone else got in the line, which I Mm. had nothing to do with. He just jumped in the conversation, and he said, "Your religion is doing this and this and this and this and this for a long time." And then at the end, he said, that "He's a he's a pro uh, 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 Second Amendment." Um,
0: you mean pro gun? Yes,
1: that yeah. <laughs> and um, and he said, um, "I'm not giving up my guns." I said, "Who in the world asked you to give up your guns?" This is an ad to purchase a mosque. Right. What brought, what brought this wow. to the conversation?
2: So so it was just this constellation of things that he was taking out on you, yes. but had nothing to do with you. A uh, lot did of
1: I ask you look at the poll? Can you, did you see the post? Right. Did I ask you, or did anyone from congregation ask you to give up your guns or oh, keep your guns, man? I didn't know. Go ahead and buy more guns. I mean, I don't care. Wow. <laughs> so wow. this is this
0: is a microcosm of what's going on in our world. Yeah. And I guess as I listen to you, the question that reverberates in my mind is did you accomplish anything in that argument nothing right nothing and nothing. right and and so you know I, what i ended
1: up doing i'm sorry to get. I, I deleted the post good for you i deleted the good post.
0: for you that's what okay.
2: i would do but including wait the post that included the uh the ad, the
1: the ad. yeah the ad itself i deleted it Wow, uh, I deleted. It. I found out there was no uh, actually harming uh, harms more than a benefits. Wow. I just deleted the post.
0: i'm wow. sorry I, I I think that the 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 fundamental problem is that hate was unleashed in this country. It was given permission to irrationally become part of the public conversation. That goes back to nine uh, eleven, two thousand and one and all of the anti-Muslim rhetoric that came after that, uh, but more so even in the past four years. And so that's different than having a disagreement with your friend, which I think may not be a productive conversation either. But here requires a response that we formulate together in the community such as ours religious leaders, civic leaders, and just the folk who are part of our community to stand up and say publicly, this is not okay. We need to make that voice heard from those who lead in the community, in the media and politicians, and to shame it, that it should not be allowed in the public sphere. That's my view.
2: But I'm I'm wrestling with our, our topic today, which is giving others the opportunity to grow, to be wrong on their own. How, how do you, when do you decide that it is, it, there's no room for silence. There's no room for patience. There's no room for agreeing to disagree. When do you decide that? What, what's what, what allows us to make that determination? Because I, I feel like it can be very easy to fall into this trap, particularly since, We're, we're, you know, with Google, with Facebook, with Insta, with all these different things, we're we're put into situations, Netflix, we tend to be surrounded by people who think like us. Where do we draw, how how do we determine when I need to be patient with someone else and when I need to say no?
0: So I'll tell you a little story. So there's um, a person in my congregation whom whom I love a lot. And we have different political views. That's become evident in conversations that we have had respectfully. When our community participated in uh, a protest against detention at the southern border, um, this individual wrote to me and said, I need to come talk to you. And I said, please do. And then in advance of our appointment, sent me a whole bunch of links to articles that he finds compelling and some views that that are part of what are troubling him because he was troubled by my positions. Right. And I, I have to give him tremendous credit for the respect that he demonstrated by coming to see me to have the conversation. Yeah. Not... Doing it on Facebook, not doing it publicly as a rebuke, but rather, hey, listen, I'm troubled by what you believe because I believe something different. And so that made for a productive conversation. I don't, he didn't change my mind. I don't think I changed his, but there were aspects of the conversation where we were able to express ourselves, where he said, you know, I think you listen to different commentators and read different newspapers and watch different TV right. news. And I said, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, maybe that's a problem that our news sources are not really news sources, but opinion sources. And so then he started expressing some opinions that he had heard from the news sources that he relies on that I found offensive. And I I at one point said, I just have to tell you, that's not factually correct. It's not actually true. And I, I think that the source you got it from is twisting it. And he said, okay. Now, I don't know whether or not I convinced him of that, but I had a chance to say that respectfully to him, just as he had a chance to say to me respectfully, y- you know, I think you're wrong. And then we agreed that disagreeing was okay, as long as we respected each other, and that we needed to hear each other. And and it was okay in the end. Now, I wish that he didn't read the papers that he reads and watch the TV news that he watches. And he wishes the same
2: about you. Exactly. It's
0: not up to me, but I could represent what my position was and where I got it from. Like what, what, what information I had behind my views just as he did. Right. Right. Right.
2: One of the things that I guess I would like to touch on a little bit that we talked about last time is sometimes I can feel so right. Right. And, and and I'm I'm moving us away from issues of hate because I think I think we'd say hate is wrong, um, but sometimes whatever I believe can feel so right that I'm completely blind until later that I was wrong,
0: and we all do that, don't we?
2: So how do we know that? How do we keep ourselves open to that possibility?
0: Yeah, I think uh, there's a there's a line in our tradition that we should live with an open heart which is really about having an open mind that we want god to implant within us an open heart the capacity to experience the discomfort so that we can see something anew
2: that means that god must be patient with us
1: to get to that point yeah God is patient. Always patient.
0: You think God's patient with Facebook?
1: I will believe God is patient with everyone. Okay, good.
0: <laughs> I have to
2: imagine sometimes God second guesses God's self about that. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's... Uh, a phrase that has become very popular in uh, many Jewish communities that has become a theme for us. Olam chesed yibaneh We will build this world from love. Olam yibaneh I will build this world with, from love. We will build this world from love. God will build this world from love. May it be so. Amen. Oh! We are pleased today to invite Lieutenant Governor David Zuckerman to have a conversation with us, our theme being giving others a chance to grow, and we know this is a very busy season and we are especially grateful for your time today and looking forward to this conversation.
3: Thank you you for having me, and uh, it's also planting and growing season, so whether it's plants, people, food, spirit, uh, I think there's
2: room to grow for all of us.
0: Ken, do you want to lead us off with a question?
2: Sure. Uh, it's easy to let people grow when you completely agree with them on everything. It's a little more challenging to give people room to grow when you're pretty sure they're completely wrong about everything. <laughs> um, so what, what do you, I'm sure you never encounter situations where, you know, you feel strongly that you're right and you, somebody else is wrong. But uh, what do you do? You know, when, when, let's start with that instance. When you're pretty sure that you're right about something and, and you're pretty sure that the other person's wrong about it. Wow. Well, I think there's a couple things. Um, first of all,
3: it happens every day, whether it's uh, internal in my own mind, whether it's a uh, partnership in my marriage and life, right. or whether it's in the political arena. Certainly, I run into these situations many times a day. Uh, my goal of what to do would be to always take a breath and um, think on a little bit before I react. Uh, We have a very natural tendency sort of in our hot side to react and push back quickly. And I certainly have that. Um, So I am perpetually working on first, just taking a breath to cool that off a little bit and think about how to um, reach a place to have a conversation where there can be some give and take. I've often talked about in the political arena that if you want someone to come to where you are, uh, usually if you reach out and take their hand and yank on it suddenly, right. usually their heels dig in right. and everybody's heels dig in. And, and it's much more um, about strength and power uh, and not always about a successful end result. Whereas if you reach out and, and metaphorically go where they are, learn more about where they're coming from, and why they might have the view or the information, whether it's a a fact that's accurate or not. I won't call it a fact yet because I don't know. Um, But try to understand where they're coming from first and then maybe chat about it a little bit, learn about something else. And my metaphor is that if you go sit on the park bench with somebody and you talk for half an hour, usually at some point you both get thirsty and you can get up and you can start walking down the path together towards the coffee shop, the juice bar, the bar bar, whatever it is. And then you're walking in the same direction. And so if I want someone to go where I'd like them to go, we ought to first start maybe even just walking in the same direction before we're trying to actually get to where we're going. Um, So there's a little bit of metaphorical mishmash with how to deal with those situations. And it's hard, you know, I'm, I'm in a position of privilege, Um, white male, uh, grew up in a stable household, good school system, roof over my head. So it's also important for me to recognize and check my privilege and then think about where that person is coming from. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So the, that's an interesting metaphor that you used of having them come along with you because it could also be the case that they want you to come along with them. Sure. And so how can you tell when you are wrong or their view is just different or they're wrong and your view is just different? Yeah,
3: I mean, I think part of that is even this that the, the setup here is that there's a right and a wrong, um, and I think there's certainly there are some things that are very clearly right and wrong uh, in terms of how you treat somebody, and or uh, maybe doing some research on facts and saying, well, let's let's look into those facts a little bit. Can you tell me where that came from? And I get that all the time online with people telling me, you know, this is going to happen if you do that. So really? Do you have some facts to back that up? And um, and so there, there can be right and wrong. There's also how people feel. And um, if someone has feelings a certain way, that's their feelings. And to tell them their feelings are right or wrong or to try to change those feelings um, with fact, I, I think is a very delicate and difficult thing to do. Uh, but I think if their feelings are also um, – either hateful feelings or violent feelings, then we have an obligation to work towards trying to adjust those feelings. Now, the same is true looking at myself. I, I appreciate getting challenged on the facts and I will often say, okay, you're challenging me, let me go find those facts. And thankfully, because I tend to, you know, be in a, in a world of fact in, in politics, uh, I generally feel like I've got some facts on my side, uh, but, there are times when I have thought, well, you know, maybe I I didn't do the right thing. Uh, there are votes in the past that I think back and you know, go, hmm, maybe there was a different vote to cast at that time. Now that I'm I've had more experience. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. So I, I want to follow up something you just said because it really gets at at the heart of some of what we talked about when we went through this. Which um, you talked about feelings of hate and violence as something that needs to be addressed. And, and what, what it feels like we're in a place right now where, uh, particularly, white men, um, particularly Christian white men, uh, have a feeling that they're a victim, which isn't itself hate, but it finds itself heading in that direction really easily. So, 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 what do we do? In this, you know, when you have somebody come to you and, and, and start laying out a litany of victimhood um, in a situation where in the grand scheme of things, they're pretty privileged, but they feel, they, they feel like they're the victim. How...
3: Yeah, that's a great question. And I feel really fortunate that in my youth, I grew up partly in suburban Boston. And I grew up in the summers in really, really rural Shenandoah Valley, Virginia, <laughs> where you know if you think about uh, some of the uh, Civil War and Stonewall Jackson, like this is where that's where he was going back and forth over the Massanutten with his armies eleven different times. And that valley, when I was growing up, uh, there was this area where the community of color lived on this side of town. And then there was the rest of town and the valley where everybody else was white. And when you looked in the phone book, there were certain names that took up two pages of the phone book. And I think about the economic situation of people in that valley. And it didn't matter if you were white or black, you were not privileged. And so I'm going to just push back a little in the broad comment of, of the privilege that, that the white Christian uh, feeling like a victim folks um, may or may not have because there are privileges we have in the color of our skin and privileges we have in being male. Those are undeniable. But the broader society values us also on our economic standing and our ability to provide for our families and our own emotional strength. I often rests in, am I being a good provider and are we, are we advancing or not? And so I think that feeling, even if starting from a higher point, is that they're not making progress and, they're, and therefore they're failing or they are victims because the system is stopping them from making progress. Uh, so I think there's a lot of um, room there politically and socially to uh, accept their sense of victimhood from right. their perspective, and then work to um, address it rather than deny their feelings. Good point.
1: Um, just, I was just—I was always wondering um, how would you, if if you uh, recognize someone to be always uh, uh, disagreeing with you just for the sake of disagreement, because some people, uh, I think you may, you might have met you know uh, uh, some of those folks, especially in your political uh, career. Some people just like to disagree in order to make themselves visible. Um, uh, not because there is anything that worthy of disagreement, but just want to, uh, if they agree with everyone, they, they, there's no way they can be distinct from others only with disagreement. So would you give them a chance to grow or how would you do that? Or would you shun them away knowing for a fact that they only disagree just for the sake of disagreement?
3: Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I, uh, I certainly meet plenty of people who disagree with me. I, I don't know how many of them are truly sort of just hundred percent disagree for the sake of disagreeing. But, um, you know, I do, I have just like everybody else, a limited amount of time in the day. And if someone is not open to a reasonable conversation, that isn't just battling back and forth, then I, I don't know that I really have enough time for them. I might express it in a pleasant way and say, you know, It looks like we're going to disagree and there isn't really room for conversation here. Um, So I'm going to have to work with some folks who are ready to move forward somehow and find a place for agreement. Now, I am in, again, a privileged position where I can hear some pretty hurtful things um, and not take it on myself and try to find out where is their pain, where is their hurt, where are they coming from? that they have that need to put out hurt towards others. And I sometimes feel like if I can be a safe place for them uh, and tolerant of their in, intolerant, <laughs> intolerance and or tolerant of their sort of despicable views, at least as an ear, knowing that it isn't usually at me, Then I can try and find out where their pain is coming from, where their hate might be coming from, where that feeling might be coming from. Because if I can help address that, and it may be, you know, sort of economic uh, insecurity, it may be an inability to give their child that holiday gift because they truly have nothing to give if they're trying to keep food on the table or a roof over their head. If we can address that so that they don't blame the other for their situation and try to help them understand how the system is designed and that half of our population lives paycheck to paycheck, and it's understandable to have that struggle, but it's not the other that is causing you that problem, then I I feel like there's a chance to make progress. Um, But it's hard. I hear some really terrible things in that process. But uh, I feel like it's better for me to hear them than for them to be stated to someone else for whom it will hurt or even be threatening to. And so I should take that on so that someone else doesn't have to.
0: So once you've taken that on, where is the place where you're giving others a chance to grow? Is it in the listening or is it in the way you react or is it in some other actions subsequent to the conversation? Where does that growth happen
3: you know it it could be some of all of those uh rabbi i i um i think it has to be individualized response uh we often put groups of people into a category and we see that very often around um racism from white people towards communities that are not white christian for instance uh But at the same time, uh, I have, and this is a delicate statement, but I have seen some from the left be as intolerant in grouping people together as a single mindset group of people. And as soon as we do that, we lose the ability to see the person as an individual. And so I think the room to grow is to think each person has a different story from where they've come from and that they've lived and they have a story to write with respect to where they're going to go. When I first got sworn in in January of 17, I gave each of the senators an heirloom dry bean seed, and they were unique seeds. Uh, You got your kidney beans, got your pinto beans, you got all these different kinds of beans. And I gave every single one a bean, and I held up my bean, and I said, inside each one of these, these beans, now they're all beans, we can just say they're all beans, it's a big group of beans. But really, inside each individual bean is all the genetic material to be a thriving plant. But the soil that bean is planted in is going to have an impact. And so when I look at our society as a whole, I think our job, whether it's as political leaders, whether it's as religious leaders and others, is to help create the environment for each one of those beans to thrive to its fullest potential. My other little story just came from last night when I was trying to put the hens in. And we've been trying to put them in a little early because we have a fox that's been uh, making it so we have fewer hens, shall we say. And that's a problem. And uh, I thought about the fact that sometimes I run around the chicken coop trying to catch these hens. And I tell you, they're quick and they're wily and it's a lot of work and a lot of effort. Sometimes, and I'm learning to do it more so, I walk slowly around the coop. And when they get near the ladder up to the hen door, I stay back and a few of them will jump up on the ladder and just walk in. But if I go to try to catch one, they're going to keep running past the ladder. And so it's taught me a little bit of patience that if I walk them to the ladder and stand back for a minute, 3 you'll get in and then they'll go the other way. So if I go around the other way and just, just guide them back towards the ladder and wait a minute, they'll get in. Or I could spend five minutes running around and just chasing them over and over and maybe get two in. So Sometimes you can try too hard, and you need to pause and take patience
2: with the moment. And that—that's beautiful, and that really involves relinquishing some control. Um, and I'm not always good at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, none of us are.
0: Right. Exactly.
2: Especially when we're right. Especially when it's important and we're right. Right. Or we think we're right, when and we're we think sure it's important. <laughs> Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for, uh, for taking time to sit down with us, Dave. We really appreciate it. Um, we
0: really
2: do. Yeah. Uh, Thank we, you very much. Well, uh, a closing question, and it's particularly apropos for this episode, because we talked about it in this episode. Um, what is your favorite Ben and Jerry's flavor? Ooh. I, I know.
3: You know, um, I think probably mint chocolate chip. I think mint and chocolate together is um, pretty exquisite mint chocolate chunk is uh is there
2: awesome awesome wonderful
0: makes me want some right now
2: thank (laughs) you so much appreciate it very much oh i appreciate it it's a real pleasure
1: thank you